Welcome, everybody, to the Impact Nations podcast. My name is Tim. I am your host. And today I am super excited to be joined by my pastor, Matt McDonald, and my dear friend, Chris Armstead, who is also one of the elders at our church. Welcome, guys. Hello, good Thank morning. you, man. And Thank you for having us. Excited. Yeah, super. I've been really looking forward to this discussion. Today we are discussing Blessed Are the Meek. Uh, which is uh, a topic that dad taught on on the podcast last week. And when I saw it on the calendar for this week's discussion, you guys honestly were the first two guys that I thought of to, to discuss this with. Mm. Um, and that's because you embody meekness, which is kind of a funny word, um, but you do. <laughs> uh, and Pastor Matt, you've been preaching on, uh, you know, you, you maybe didn't speak, address the word meek specifically, but, you know, in recent weeks, you've really been talking about how we as Christ followers can engage uh, with other believers and just with the world at large in a really highly political, you know, politicized mm-hmm. time. Uh, I don't know if you guys yeah. heard, there's an election coming up and there's a major pandemic happening worldwide. <laughs> oh, and uh, racial tension has been a massive issue uh, throughout the year of 2020. So, you know, a little bit of self-control uh, in how we <laughs> engage. Yeah, with it's a good others. thing we got an easy year to yeah, operate it. Yeah, in. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Chris, specifically, uh, I mean, as I say, you are somebody who embodies meekness. Um, that's just something mm-hmm. you operate in incredible grace. Uh, mm. And you and I, you know, we're good friends. And so we've had a lot of talks together about how there's times that you've just got to exercise great self-control because people sometimes in ignorance, perhaps other times not, uh, make some comments uh, <laughs> that are, you know, at times... Uh, I'm going to say racially insensitive, ignorant, um, and you've got to pick and choose your times when to mm. uh, when to educate, shall we say, when to just let it go and, and things like that. So um, yeah. I hope that kind of sets the stage for what we're talking about today. But I think mm. that being meek in 2020 is pretty darn important. Mm. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, I... Uh, I know Dad's book, and and I'm going to just push it right now because why not? Uh, <laughs> I got a bookmark in it because I'm going to read podcast, it a little bit later. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. I can do what I want, right? Uh, the attitudes for a time of crisis, and what's really interesting is he and I went back and forth a lot on. Uh, I don't know my grammar. What what kind of word is for? Uh, we went back and forth between for a time of crisis and in a time of crisis, <laughs> and we really we settled on four uh, because these really are tools for Mm. us in this time. You know, it it is there to be applied for this time of crisis. So let's talk meekness. Uh, Pastor Matt, I'm curious. Let's just define our terms. How would you, if somebody said to you, you know, what does meek mean? Because it's not a word we use often in in the 21st century. How would you define that term? (laughs) Uh, Well, if if we go off the first time I heard it, I, I think it was... I thought it was some sort of squirrel um, chipmunk hybrid kind of thing going on. Like when you hear meek, I'm like, wait a second, is that like a weasel? Is that a, what what are we talking about here? Uh, And especially as a kid hearing it in scripture, you know, blessed are the meek. It's, it's, 
very much like, I don't understand what does that even mean? Um, but being able to, you know, study God's word and study the Beatitudes and then even that word, uh, you know, it might be cliche. There's, there's, a, I've heard a bunch of different messages, a bunch of sermons, different schools of thought on that word and that beatitude specifically. But the, the best thing that I think I could agree with the most is strength under control. Uh, is probably yeah. the the best the best way if we could in our English term. And then what's beautiful, I get a little nerdy when you look at it in the Greek. You see that meek. The word meek is like it's really hard in English terms to mm-hmm. really get the fullness out of what meekness or what meek actually is in scripture. Uh, and so to to boil it down, if we could for like a palatable one, I think I would say strength under control is kind of the best thing that I. I have, have heard and read that I'm like that. That's probably what best at least hones it in a little bit yeah. for me. That's mm. good. Chris, you got any thoughts on that? You want to nuance no, I mean, it at all? I, no, I, I would agree. I mean, I think um, it's kind of a word that to me, it, it combines so many different elements. So like there's humility. I think there's wisdom, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. like that when Pastor Matt talked about the pressure of like, okay, sh- having that time to be able to think through maybe your thoughts come quick. Right. And so trying to train your mouth (laughs) to be quiet while you're processing it. And sometimes um, I think that there's wisdom that comes out of it as one of the characteristics of, of meekness. Like maybe you could crush someone, you know, in a Mm. debate or maybe even in a, maybe there's like a physical sense, but when you exercise that restraint, I think that's exhibiting meekness, you know, but also knowing when to pull that string. So it's, it, it is a lot of, um, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. You strength. And it thinks I, it occurs to me that in order to gain strength and pastor Matt, I, you know, you and I talk about the difference between you and me is mm-hmm. you like to work out and I like to n- not, um, <laughs> in order to gain strength, it requires practice. Like you actually have to put in the mm-hmm. work to get there. So how do we, as followers of Christ exercise to, to build that strength of, of mm. self-control? Ooh, what a great question. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think the first thing for me that comes to mind um, is, is like you said, it, it takes practice repetition. Um, you know, but the, the old adage of practice makes perfect. Um, I've never really agreed with, <laughs> I don't think that that's true. I think that practice makes permanent, hmm. um, you know, whatever you practice is going, it, it could be a bad practice. And if you keep doing it, it's going to be a permanent thing. <clears throat> so yes, practice, but with, with something, someone leading you, i.e., the Holy Spirit. What a great teacher to kind of lead us in how to be meek. Um, because as you said, kind of self-control, it's a fruit of the spirit. Um, and, uh, what I think Chris made an amazing point too, is when, you know, you have the words intellectually that could end a debate, just squash it and probably, upset the other person, almost like it's a battle rap or something like that. And you're just like, Oh, I got the words that will end you right now, but I'm not going to, uh, my pastor, pastor JR has taught me for the longest time, this discipline of training your face too. Uh, cause mm-hmm. you could be quiet, but you could say everything with your face in a moment. That's not really meekness. It's not really strength under control. Someone could say something just 
And you know, you're not saying a word, but you're communicating just about everything. For those who are only listening to the audio, uh, I I can't even describe the face that you just missed. Fair enough. (laughs) Somehow my bottom lip went above my nose. That's how I could best describe um, what that face was. But I think the best way to answer your question, Tim, to exercise or, or, you know, continue to discipline and train ourselves, so to speak, in meekness is... um, it was a lady in our church who said it, Marsha, Marsha Manning said it to me uh, a while ago that it was a, a mentor of hers, someone who discipled her. It's like, before you take anything to anybody else, take it to God. And so when you're, especially in 2020, right, when we're hearing, you know, opinions about everything and everyone and just about anything that happens, there's an opinion about why we should be upset about it or why we should feel a certain way. And so um, it's easy to say, but truly, let me go to God with this before I go to somebody else, because that's where my, I mean, that's where my meekness is going to come from. It's not going to come from my ability to intellectually apply it to my life. It's going to come from my ability to do one thing, go to God and let him empower me by the Holy spirit to actually walk out what meekness looks like. Um, I think it was A.W. Tozer says we can't intellectually perceive a spiritual truth Mm. But sometimes we tell ourselves we can like, oh, no, I just need to be meek. I can be meek. I can do this. I can do this. And it's like, well, you can right up until you can't. Mm. <laughs> and usually that moment where you snap at somebody, you go off on somebody on Facebook or you have this tell yourself this righteous anger where you're like, no, this person needs to hear about it. But we haven't gone to God first. It's not really training ourselves to be meek. It's training ourselves to trust us more than we trust God. Um, and so I think the best way to train ourselves is to go to God before we go to anybody else. That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> Chris, I said you, you exercise it regularly in terms of meekness and, uh, in terms of yes, self-control. <laughs> uh, are you, are you often tempted to, you know, either bring the heat, uh, intellectually or scripturally, you know, I, certainly the temptation, there's always going to be a proof text for, for something, right? Uh, (laughs) I assume that temptation comes. What happens when you get that temptation? When you like, okay. So for instance, you see somebody post something just totally asinine on, on the Facebook, uh, and you look at it and maybe it's one of those, I think we've all had these, you know, you, you turn to your spouse, like you wouldn't believe what so-and-so just said. <laughs> um, what happens next when, when those moments come for you? Hmm. That's, good. That's good. Well, um, I think the first, one of the first things that you said is I can't believe <laughs> maybe to my wife, um, Tim, you've gotten some texts, DM, <laughs> you see, I've gotten some texts. Yeah. And I think what happens is what follows. So I think there's like that initial response, right? So if it's Facebook, mm-hmm. um, there's times where I've, I think, Pastor, you've said this other day, like, or maybe Pastor JR last week, well, you don't stumble in this in, you're, you're in there anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Or close to the door. Wow. And yeah. so there's some things where, for a while and for seasons or different times, I've taken myself from that space so that those moments wouldn't mm-hmm. come as a temptation to be like, drop a one-liner and walk out. You know, um, <laughs> one thing I've been taught from my father is realize, you know, um, I know we say at family church, realize whose you are. And, and, and that started early for my dad, like you represent God in the Armstead name. So whatever you say, 
reflects on us. And so I think those are things that that have been instilled wow. in me. And so when it's so when it's kind of social media things is, yeah, I think it's natural to have those first kind of recoils and responses. Um, but for me, what happens when pre COVID days, for me, like, when I see that and then walk in the church and see that person, do I sit back and be like, mm-hmm, there they are. <laughs> no, you know? And so yeah. those are the ways that helps me combat that. And I think also like pastor Matt said is, is, it comes from God. And I think there's times when, when something's come out in person, like there's been that quick time where I can say, God, please give me the words to say in this moment. And so it's just, sometimes it's just as quick as that. You know, I don't have to go in the prayer closet for hours to ask for it. It might just be in that moment to be like, God, give me wisdom. Mm-hmm. Help me to say this in love. Like, and those are kind of two mantras I, I've used when it's in person and then also on social media. Yeah. That's great. You know, if I could kind of harp on something you were saying too, Chris, I think um, we are really, at least in America, as Americans, we're, we're really good at this because we have, um, you know, opportunities. Sometimes we have privileges that a lot of the rest of the world doesn't have, but we're really good at America about maximizing social media and minimizing social media at our discretion. Um, what do you mean? What I, what I mean by that is we, we minimize it sometimes as, Oh, well, it's just social media. It's kind of you know, silly. It's whatever. But then we maximize it when it's for our benefit. Like, Oh no, I'm just, I'm connecting with people. It's a great way for us to, you know, have ministry online and reach more people and that. But as soon as, you know, the temperature starts to get a little hot, then we jump to, oh, but it's just social media. Um, it's mm. not that big a deal. It's trivial. I'm like, yeah. okay, we, we, we can't really have it both ways. Mm. Um, and I agree with you 100%, Chris. Sometimes we just got to delete it for a while, delete it for a season to not go on there, um, which I try to do that regularly. Me and my wife, we both try to do it regularly just to kind of give our soul a break. Um, but it's amazing how we can, we can maximize it and minimize it at our discretion. Um, and it's kind of like the the, you know, the mindset of, I'm just going to take my ball and go home when social media doesn't work out the way we want it to. But then when it does, it's, it's a blessing for us and it's a blessing for all. And as you're talking about, uh, you know, meekness and, and being, having self-control, exercising self-control, which, you know, even the term self-control is a little bit misleading because it's a fruit of the spirit. So yes, it's self-control, but it's really God control, you know, Mm -hmm. given like, Holy Spirit, give me the self-control to not just let whoever have it on Facebook. Uh, so I think we 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 could probably be a little more intentional about not maximizing social media when it's working for us and minimizing it when it's not. But it's 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 interesting. It's one of those things. Maybe where we live, I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with living in other countries because um, I haven't. But here it, we seem to maximize it and minimize it at our discretion. And it kind of, it just gets our soul in turmoil, um, which is not never a good thing. <laughs> mm. Well, I'll tell you what too, uh, um, especially back in um, March, um, maybe February, March, when um, a lot of the racial tensions was, was at its peak. Mm-hmm. Um, one action by Jesus that kept replanting my mind to combat that, holy cow, I'm, I'm seeing people's true character on Facebook, right? Like, that's what we think. <laughs> yeah. 
but we're based off it's a written word or type word. So it's kind of hard, but you, you, if I go off that, um, I could just really go down the wrong path, but the, the mm, action of wow. Christ on the cross, <clears throat> forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't know how many times that allowed me to use American terms, assume the best mm-hmm. in people. And, and that wow. was something that was ministered to me. And, you know, how will they know unless I help them? Like that was the other thing that kept kind of going through my mind too. So I think self-control is letting God, like Pastor Matt said, speak to you because that's what was ringing through my ears so many times in March or so when this stuff was at its highest. And I, wow, people, yeah. Boy, I mean, Black Lives Matter. <clears throat> blah, 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 blah. And, and that helped me to be able to navigate that a lot better too. Wow. Wow. Um. I find personally that I very often engage in, I, I like to be right. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you like to be wrong. I like to be right. I hate and to I, be right. And I like to prove that I'm right. Uh, you know, and so I will, I, I mentioned earlier proof texts. I, I certainly, I find myself as a Canadian, we've talked about this before, but as a Canadian living in America, I certainly come with a different perspective. Um, you know, even politically, I'm far more left-leaning than, than much of this nation, uh, just because of where I come from. We just, we kind of start left and work from there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm not on social media and that's, that's not a self-righteous thing. That's a, I just, I don't know. I never got on it. I had a friend warn me like 15 years ago or whatever. He's like, listen, there's this new thing. It's called Facebook. Stay away. Run. Don't go anywhere near it. It's, it's, <laughs> you, it'll suck you in. You'll never get out. And I listened to him and, and I'm, I'm glad that I did. But mostly for me, it's because I, I know I don't actually have the self control. And I, I, I always be, mm. I'm too quick to, you know, and so poor Bethany <clears throat> at home, she, we definitely have those moments of like, oh, you wouldn't believe. And, and then I make my argument, <laughs> you know, and she's just got to sit and smile and listen. And in the living room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she's very gracious with me. She's, she, she's very good to me. But, um, um, it's because I want to be right, you know, and I, I want to prove myself right. Like, let me let me list the five reasons why that position is wrong and my position is right. Uh, and yet we we worship a, a Jesus who was self-emptying, right? I mean, you, you look at the, the kenosis. He, he, he didn't uh, – he was willing to empty himself and, and wasn't uh, going to hold on to – uh, his glory in heaven, but instead come down to us. I mean, the ultimate humility. And yet it's really hard to not want to be right. Um, oh, yeah. And there's something, I'm actually just going to quick read this because I, I read this paragraph in Dad's book last week as I was preparing for a chat today. And this this really challenged me, this paragraph, and it just really... Uh, humbled me. It says, the meek understand the world in a very different way. Meekness comes from a true view of ourselves. Like poverty of spirit, we realize that we live each moment from the grace of Christ's blessing. Anything of value that we uh, are or do come only from his life inside us. This impacts not only how I see myself, but my relationships with others. The instinctive walls and responses of self-protection begin to crumble as I let go of the securities of my ego self. 
Through the pain of this process, I discovered that I don't have to protect myself. Even more, I experience the freedom that comes from living in the truth that Christ's care can be trusted in every area of my life. The challenge, and it's a big one, is in actually letting go of my lifelong patterns of self-protection. And I read that and I was like, oh, that's exactly what I'm doing when I try to prove myself <laughs> right. Um, yeah. How do you guys go through the process of that kind of self-emptying and, and re- relinquishing that control of self-protection to Christ? That's a, <laughs> that's, that's a tough one. But I, I think <laughs> for me, and I would say as of late, was it's re- some, the relationships that I, that I built – um, trusting the Holy Spirit and saying this is a safe space, and so, um, for example, we had a elder and staff meeting um, again back in probably April, height of tension, and for whatever well the reason is <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Like I just let go of what um, I was feeling at the moment. And it was a risk for me because being the only minority in that room, I know that someone doesn't know exactly how I feel, but it was a risk that I'm in a room with other believers. It's a, uh, I know that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. I know that they love me and it's a risk of letting it go. So one is so they can hear my heart, maybe start to, you know, empathize and also pray. So I think for me, it's um, trusting that God put us in certain places and trusting the people that he puts you around so that you can empty yourself. And so that's, that's my experience over probably last few months. Mm, Wow. Yeah. It's a, man, that's a tough thing to, you know, live out obviously we can theorize about it. And when we do that, we always come up with the right answers. Um, but then living it out is a whole different story. Right. And, um, in the, in the, the little maturing that I've gone through in my life, um, you know, it was actually, somebody asked me a question yesterday. I I'm, I'm pretty sure the question was in jest, but, um, I, you know, sometimes I just take a moment like that and try to take the jest out of it. I'm like, okay, let's talk. Um, and it was, it was a question like, Hey, I got a question for you. Pastor Matt said, yeah. Yeah. Do you think Jesus was a hippie? (laughs) That was the question. And I'm like, um, actually I have no thoughts on that. I I, I don't, I have no opinion on that question. (laughs) And as I said that I'm, uh, you know, reminded, and I I took an opportunity to to talk to this young man. And, um, I'm like, I've learned that I don't have to have an opinion on everything. Hmm. Uh, especially I don't have to have a strong opinion on everything. Uh, and so as you're kind of talking Tim, the, you know, how do we combat wanting to be right? Or how do we like empty ourselves? Um, and I'm not saying be ignorant of it and of anything. Um, but I'm saying, there's very few hills we can actually plant our flag on and say, I'm not moving from here. You cannot change my mind. And the more hills we try to plant our flag on, the the weaker we become at actually being able to be planted in that. And so um, every nuance of every issue, there's there's worlds and loads of schools of thought and little intricacies of this is my perspective. This is my perspective, everything like that. And so, um, 
I, I try not to entrench myself in an opinion, especially one that I have no personal experience or really of a deep perspective on anyway, because then I feel like it just becomes theory and a lot of speaking like, no, this is how we need to proceed. This is how we should feel. And like, if I'm, you know, a very translucent white person and trying to speak to, Hey, this is a perspective that I can understand coming from an African-American person. I'm like, I, I can't really entrench myself too deep in that. Cause I have no idea what that experience is like. Well, what I can do hopefully is have conversations. And I've had plenty of conversations with Chris over the years, not just this year, but even more this year uh, where I, I do my best to come in like, Hey, I don't know anything about this. Can you, you know, tell me about it. And I think if we go into something with strong opinions, we won't listen to anybody Hmm. um, because we'll just be trying to get our opinion across. And so I try not to form an opinion going into something, you know, try to go in, but what that does, you know, the God of today is probably intellectualism, right? What that does is when you go into a conversation without a strong opinion, you run the risk of not being the smartest person in the room. And we don't like that. (laughs) We don't, we want to be, the person with the answers. We want to be the person that's right. So um, what is it? John Maxwell, the the leadership godfather, uh, it says good leaders ask great questions. Uh, and so trying to go in asking questions rather than making statements, even if you have that strong, it's kind of goes back to what we said, you know, Chris, I think mentioned earlier, when you know you have the words to state that would end it, will that be of any benefit in the relationship or in the conversation versus going in. Okay. I, I know what I think, but let me come in asking questions. Let me, let me mm. hear what people have to say. Um, but we plant so many flags on so many Hills, you know, you can't tend to all of them at the same time. So we probably shouldn't plant so many flags in so many different Hills. Uh, we talk about at church all the time, having agreement on the essentials and having liberty and charity on the non-essentials. Um, and I think that's at least a good guideline to kind of navigate through those conversations with. Mm. And I think it's an ongoing, right? Like you're never just like, Oh yeah. Like we talked about, Pastor Matt has said, we're never too big for the gospel. Like we just, Oh, we got it. (laughs) We're we're good. good." (laughs) And I think with same thing with meekness, like it's like patience, like you, you have time and time again to exhibit (laughs) that. Um, I think, um, you know, one thing, not to make it heavily focused on the racial thing, but just one is, and you had said that um, being willing to listen, and it's interesting, is growing up in a very Christian, white, secular, or white Christian bubble, um, I knew all the thoughts, <laughs> opinions, but still to be able to hear it maybe one more time or hear it from just a slight, because everybody's individual, right? So slight view allowed me to you know, if I showcased, I'm willing to listen, you know, maybe it's reciprocal and they would like, well, what's your point, Chris? And it's mm. Chris, not, it's Chris, not black lives matter. It's not black, you know, 13% of the population. It's, it starts coming down to the one individual person. Mm. And I think Jesus shows that a lot in the gospels of obviously, yes, he preached to the multitude, but he had one-on-one small group conversations with, <laughs> with people. 
And I think yeah. um, that's where change can happen too. Or um, God is able have the ability to work through you. Because I'm not, you know, I'm not one to get up in front of a, a big church and, <laughs> and preach or anything like that. But I think if I can have one on one impact the people around me, um, that's what I'm called to do. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I don't know what happened. Your audio went from nice and clean to somewhat muffled, and I'm not sure what that was about, but uh, I don't know if the My ear pods, let me see if I can get them back on again. That's all good. Kind of went um, Matt, you were preaching a couple of weeks ago out of uh, Matthew 11:29, where, you know, Jesus says, come all those who are weary and heavy laden. Uh, and right in the middle of that verse, he says, for I am humble and gentle of heart, uh, we, we follow a Jesus who, I, you started this conversation with, you know, it is uh, great strength under, you know, under control, mm-hmm. so to speak. And Jesus obviously is the ultimate uh, example of that, <laughs> right? I mean, oh, yeah. that's, he embodied that. And mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, dad, last week when he was teaching mentioned Dr. King who uh, led by example in terms of standing against the injustice of society and saying, we're not going to accept the powers that be in this world. We're not going to let them dictate and we're going to, we're going to stand against that, but he did it in a nonviolent way. Uh, And uh, he actually learned that from Gandhi. (laughs) Uh, He studied Gandhi who actually used to read uh, one chapter of the gospels uh, every day. And just, he, you know, cause Gandhi was all about that nonviolent resistance. And so what's the difference between resistance? Because we do need to, as believers, as followers of Christ, we need to stand firm on, you know, as you said a few minutes ago, Pastor Matt, like there are things that we, we don't budge on. Uh, yeah. we, we don't answer to this world. We don't live according to this world's principles and, and what this society says is important or, or what have you. And yet, mm-hmm. how, do, how do we stand firm without being self-righteous jerks, Bible thumpers, you know, this is what Jesus says and you better listen. Um, and yet engage, but in a way that's going to still be gentle of heart. Oh, mm-hmm. man, I love that question and just idea and thought of how to navigate the waters, so to speak. Um, because I, I, I agree. We can't stand idly by. Um, we also, you know, have to operate in meekness. Um, and so I, I, you know, I've said this before cause I heard my pastor say it and I've said it now to our church, to you guys, it's, you know, it's, it's a middle of the road. Uh, it's a middle of the road principle. And the thing about living in the middle of the road is you get stones cast at you from both sides saying, you're not enough. This you're not speaking out enough against this. You're not vocal enough about this. Hey, would you shut up about that? You're talking too much about that. Talk to, you know, and so being in the middle of the road, you're not going to make either side air quotes for the audio ones listening only. Um, you're not going to make either side happy. Um, but we, that shouldn't be our goal. And so, uh, I truly believe that why you, why you're doing something, why you're acting a certain way will determine how you go about acting that way or behaving in that way. And so I think to start at least to answer your question is asking ourselves when we feel outraged at something, asking, like getting honest with yourself and asking, why am I outraged? 
Um, why, why am I truly outraged? Not why do I, why should I be outraged? Not, not what, what makes me a good person for being outraged, but start with why, why am I actually upset? Why am I actually outraged? And then from there, again, it's going to God with it. Um, and the reason I love the middle of the road principle, I think it was, uh, I, I was doing some research and some study on this beatitude, blessed are the meek. Um, and I came across some, some thoughts from, it was from Aristotle. And one of the things that he said is one of the aspects that how he kind of wrote, rewrote to himself. And again, this is a small facet of meekness because it's so vast, um, was it's always being angry at the right time and never being angry at the wrong time. Um, and he kind of expounded a little bit on that. I was like, okay, well, when is it right to be angry? When is it wrong to be angry? And usually when it's wrong to be angry is a selfish anger. I'm mad because something happened to me that affects me, that me, me. I'm and when it's right to be angry is a selfless anger. I'm mad at the, the injuries afflicted on others, uh, on people that is affecting others. Not saying, <clears throat> you know, you become a doormat and let people walk all over you and you never get mad about it. Yeah. But usually what kind of can spark the anger in you when you're talking about meekness, you're right. It's not being, Hey, we're just meekness is not passiveness. You know, meekness is, is not, you know, letting being a pushover. Uh, it's, it's strength under control. So, and I love what Chris said earlier, because he said it in, in envelops so many things like wisdom. Part of the wisdom is knowing when to be outspoken with your anger, knowing when to be reserved with your anger, um, knowing when you, <clears throat> maybe need to be a little louder about it, knowing when you can operate like this. But I, if, if people don't feel comfortable, not, not comfortable, if people can't feel safe around you, like they can relax around you, you're, you're never going to get the true version of that person. You're mm -hmm. always going to get the presented version of that person to mm -hmm. not spark whatever in you, <clears throat> excuse me, that they don't want to deal with. You know, we, we, I, at least a lot, <clears throat> I, one of the reason I like sports so much, uh, truly is because I feel like it's a microcosm for life. There's so many, um, there's so many metaphors. There's so many similarities that we could apply to real life. That kind of sports just help my, you know, mediocre brain understand. <laughs> um, but one of the things I think we do a disservice is when we equate it to sports, we always equate it to on the field. Um, not realizing that, Hey, in sports, there's also a sideline. There's also off days. Uh, there's also practice. Uh, there's also film study. There's also, uh, there's all these, you know, different aspects to it. Um, and so when we equate it to our Christian walk or operating in, in meekness, anything like that, we have a tendency to feel like we're always in the thick of the game in the 60 minutes that the game is happening on the football field, not realizing, like you said, Tim, Jesus, one of the attractive things about Jesus, why he could offer rest is because you could be around him and, and feel that from him. Like you're not on edge. You're not like, Oh, what are we doing now? What's he going to do? Oh, oh, I'm sure there's this level of, Oh my gosh, I'm around him. But there is this, this, this presence about him that said, Hey, come to me. I'm humble. I'm gentle at heart. Just come be around me and, and just see. And so you could go around him and just be like, oh, I, 
can rest. Wow. I, I can rest in his presence, not always be on and on the defensive and on the attack and on, you know, all these other things. So um, I, I think that's really a start for us, you know, without just talking in theory too much is understand that we can rest around Jesus and can people rest around me or are they always on? Are they always like, okay, this is what, Oh, this is what we got. I got to be ready to talk about this. I got to be ready. Or can they rest around me? Mm. Wow. That's a good litmus test. I, that's, that's one. I think all of us Mm. should go home and just meditate on that for a little while and maybe ask your friends, Hey, can you rest around me? Cause sometimes I think it's probably hard to even get to a level of self-reflection on a question like that. Sometimes you may need an honest person, you know, and Chris is one of those guys for me where, you know, he'll give me the straight goods on, on, on the true Timmy that he sees. Uh, And sometimes you need that, right? Like uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to speak through loved ones who, you know, can have the cojones to tell you like it is <laughs> give you the business yep. that's right yeah. yeah well you know what comes to mind was i was thinking was meekness like we said it's just a unique word but it because it has a lot of different elements but there's an attractiveness i think just to piggyback off that because i'm thinking what first comes to mind you know how there's many parts but one church right and and, and many people have different skill sets and i'm thinking if there's an attractiveness that brings people to you, and if you're a leader who exhibits meekness to be able to, um, with calm when pressure is happening, to be able to delegate, dictate, it may be that Peter person who's fiery that you need that element for him, from him to do something, you know. Um, and so yeah. I think as a as a leader, if you can exhibit that, it attracts people. It may attract other skill sets and other things that allows you to do the work of what you're called to do. And I I think, um, so I think there's just that attractiveness. And I think over the years for me, it kind of, you know, it's come together where people have reached out to me, especially over racial things, because it was a safe spot. I don't know how many times someone said, Chris, you know, I felt bad. I wanted to engage on social media, but I, I figured I wanted to talk to someone who would, who would, um, basically treat me nice. Like that was kind of the, the, the impetus between like, I, or someone who would understand or someone who would maybe give me the benefit of the doubt. And so I, I have, I've had many, many conversations, um, not just with people I'm doing life with currently, but just people from, I, from all facets. I mean, people from elementary school or middle, Hey, I never thought, I never thought about it until thought about you in this situation until now, what were you thinking? And, and I was able to engage in several conversations with people I, I don't currently do life with, but I think um, with exhibiting maybe that characteristics where it was a, a safe place to speak or how did you thrive or how did you were able to be you in those situations? Um, so, yeah, I, I think it, it can really attract others to you. So sometimes it's a matter of, of being patient and maintaining that gentility of heart and uh, until the moment is right. And you may know that moment's right when, as you say, Chris, uh, you know, you've kind of attracted people to you where where now is a safe space to have these conversations. But let me, let me push back a little bit because, and Matt, you mentioned this, but how do we, how do we avoid becoming a weenie? 
Uh, if, if meekness <laughs> isn't being a doormat, uh, you know, at, at what point does, you know, uh, humility or, or gentleness or whatever become just being a total wuss who is not willing to say anything? <laughs> what a question. And I, you know what, with, uh, with everybody, I enjoy this, but I really enjoy talking about this with men as well, because, uh, I believe that there is a, a misdefinition of what masculinity is, um, a or at least a um, a a jumbled, misprioritized list of what masculinity is. Um, because usually, yeah, it's like, well, I don't want to be a, I want to be a wuss, um, but you know, at the same time, I don't think listening makes you a wuss. Uh, I, I don't think asking questions to try to understand somebody else's perspective makes you a wuss. Um, and I think a lot of times what we can maybe dangerously equate with not being a wuss is winning the conversation versus winning the person. Um, we can win the conversation and steamroll the person, walk out feeling like a man, walking out feeling like, yeah, that's right. I just did it. Meanwhile, that person's like, I'm never talking to that jerk again. Uh, my goodness. Yeah. He had a lot of good points. I didn't really have a comeback, but man, he was the worst. Yeah. Um, because I know there, there's a book I read a while ago, uh, by a guy named Stephen Mansfield. Um, it was called Stephen Mansfield book of manly men. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it talks about a lot of the traits of how, about how God made men to, to operate and how, you know, things that God put inside of a man, uh, and different things like that. Um, one of the, he gets to a point in the book where I just absolutely love it. <laughs> one, it made me laugh, but it was so true. He's like, I know plenty, you know, some of the manliest men that I know, look like a woman from far away. Um, you, you know, if you're like squinting, like, Oh, that's kind of a little, particular, but that's, you know, that's a man. And so we define so much sometimes what that is by our terms of what we see, what we experience. Um, you know, I joke with you guys all the time. I love myself a good bath bomb. Uh, that's, that's one of my favorite, uh, pampering items for myself. And, you know, but it's it, it, we get to these different like surface level things that we like to joke about, and I really think sometimes that creeps its way into our psyche, our behavior <clears throat> when we're having these conversations of, uh, you know, kind of like you said, I don't want to be a weenie, I don't want to be a wuss, I don't want to get steamrolled over. And there's a time I believe, and that's where the wisdom comes in, where because uh, you know you just heard me say, can can others relax around me? Um, you know, that we can't take that as gospel because I'm like, well, I don't want everybody to relax around me. Um, and I don't think everybody should, can those closest to me, can those, you know, uh, because there's a time where maybe some pressure needs to be applied, you know, healthy pressure, not this pressure, like that's going to crack, uh, but a healthy pressure in a conversation. Um, and I don't think listening, understanding and empathy, um, are traits of being a wuss. I, I think those are, those are traits of meekness because it's a strength under control, even though the lion's in there and it could roar at any time. But when we, you know, you know, mess with my wife, mess with my kids, mess with the people I love, just w- watch the strength side of that meekness come out wow. um, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Good. when we're talking about conversations about, Hey, I, I really want to understand because if, if they 
are at a completely different perspective than me and with someone that I'm having a conversation, whatever it is, I truly want to know how they got there, not how to get them here first. I, I really want to like, hey, what led you to that? I'm, I'm just I'm curious because obviously from my mind, from my perspective, I 100% disagree with you. So I'm really genuinely interested in what, what led you to that perspective, what got you there. Um, and so again, I think it's discernment and I think it's wisdom of when to let the beast out, um, and when to tame the beast, you know, lions sleep for 20 hours a day. (laughs) So they're only lions. Like we know them for four hours, we can't live 24 hours a day like a lion, like we think they are and chomping around at everything. Sometimes we need to like, Hey, look at that. Have you ever seen a lion roar at the zoo? I haven't. All I want to do is see them roar at the zoo. All I do when I go to the zoo, I see them. Yeah. (laughs) Man, but you know, the strength that that lion's in, he's Mm, just not letting his roar out all the time. Wow. Man. Mm. (laughs) All right. So, let me, let me zoom out a little bit. We have talked about us as individuals engaging with our society. We've talked about engaging with uh, people on Facebook, things like that. Let me address one more uh, big issue that I see the church, I think, could use an adjustment on. And, and you know, the church, Big C Church, whatever, uh, perhaps specifically the North American church, uh, and it's this, we, and actually you mentioned it briefly in second service yesterday, Pastor Matt, but I've, I said, we worship a self-emptying Christ. We, we worship a Jesus whose victory looked a heck of a lot like defeat, right? His victory on the mm-hmm. cross, it starts out with what looks like defeat. And then three days later is the mm-hmm. big twist in the end. But we seem to have adopted it. In North America, perhaps specifically, I don't know what it's like elsewhere in the world, uh, this triumphalism. Like, we are going to take it to the powers. We're going to take control of the, right now it's the Supreme Court, right? Like, let's just call it what it is. We're going to take control of the White House. We tried that. Now we're going to take control of the Supreme Court. I'm just, this is the sort of thing where we hear, right? And yet... I don't see a Jesus who was trying to take control. Instead, I see a Jesus who did it completely backwards. And it's mm-hmm. it's one of the great paradoxes. It's one of the great mysteries of this Jesus that we worship. How do we, as, as the church body, how do we follow that Jesus in a society that uh, can't understand. It's, it is totally paradoxical to lay down your life, to pick up your cross and follow him. That's the ultimate meekness. And yet, honestly, I mean, if you turn on Christian television a heck of a lot of the time, it's going to be, you know, you go be your best self to go and take over the world and, and change everything. Or you look at the political discussions and we're going to take over the politics of this thing and change this nation um, mm. in a way that Jesus didn't do. Mm-mm. How can we engage in in the church when we're seeing that stuff? I, the first thing that comes to mind is <laughs> love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. When Jesus said that, then how many Jewish laws were there? He was like, these are the two. Wow. 
Yeah. And you can hang the other 699 or whatever laws there were on these two. Like it could take the weight of these two. And so for me, it's really like, who is my neighbor and individualizing that, you know? So, and Tim, you about, man, you're about to open up another two hours of podcast. I was about to, <laughs> I almost, I almost took that bait. That's a whole nother discussion, but, but I'll just take this. I'm going to try to tread light. I'll just take this thought of abortion, yeah. right? We can we talk about the Supreme court justices. We talked about Planned Parenthood, but what have you as an individual gone down to a crisis pregnancy crisis center? Hmm. When you as an individual talk to the neighbor whose daughter is a teenage is a teenager, what have you talked to her? When have you come take it from this level, gone all the way down to love on your neighbor? And and so I'm not sitting here trying to be self righteous, but I think it starts with individual, like Jesus said, you know, like he didn't say, all right, start with the Roman government and work your way down. Like it, it wasn't trickle down gospel, <laughs> wow. you know, it was start here, start in Jerusalem, here, here, and there. And so I think if we can take that responsibility and also take the risk because if life is messy, we were talking last night, pastor, like, Church is people. <laughs> people are messy. Um, and so be willing to jump in and um, and deal with it and deal with these issues. Um, and it's the issues are a plethora of issues, you know, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's, um, you know, I don't know. There's tons of them, you know, but are we willing to, you know, get off the soapbox, but get on the sidewalk and talk to your neighbor? and open your house and be able to speak into their life. So wow. I know it, it may be simple, but I, I think that's what Jesus did. Yeah. He simplified it. Yeah. And the whole idea too, right, of politics and Jesus is always a um, nice, tame conversation for the most part. <laughs> you know, it just never gets out of hand. Yeah. Um, and yeah, right. luckily we don't have anything polarizing in 2020 left, like, you know, a national election to, to further the divide or anything like that. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> you know, what's interesting, I think is we are so, we want to fit Jesus into our context sometimes so badly that it's a disservice to us, I think. Um, we, be, because I think it's, it comes from a good place of, we want, you know, we go to the word of God, we go to God, um, for wisdom, for where we're living and how we're living and the place and time that we are. But sometimes what ends up happening is we try to put him in the box of our context and say, this is what Jesus would do if he were alive today. Um, which is a really dangerous statement to make I think, yeah. um, about anything because we boil it down in terms of Tim, you said North America, I'll just say the USA, um, especially <clears throat> we boil things down to black and white Republican and Democrat. Um, and then we, we seem to think that Jesus would be leaning toward one of those parties. We seem to think Jesus would be a Republican or he would be a Democrat because those are the only two options, right? Forget that there's other parties that also run for president that don't, you know, anyways, that's a whole other conversation. But um, we, we kind of think in 
terms of this or that. And I think that's where the enemy's done a really, really good job at it, you know, blinding people, so to speak, to the fact that there's two options um, mm. for everything. Um, and you better be on the right side because Jesus was on the right side. Um, and, you know, I, I really don't think we should feel 100% at home in any political party mm. because Good. we are just repeating what the Pharisees did because they thought that was, that's the Jesus they were getting. They thought they were getting political mighty Messiah that's going to come in in a political sense and in a power move sense on earth and take things over. Um, and he, that's just not, that's not how he came. He came humbly, you know, when his Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem in Matthew 21, when it said it took place to fulfill the prophecy, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your King is coming to you. He is humble riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. That word humble uh, in the Greek is, um, is pros, which is the same word in Matthew chapter five that said, blessed mm. are the meek, blessed are the prows. So that's how Jesus walked into approaching his victory was humbly, not politically, not powerfully in the sense of we think it because power in the, in, you know, in the spiritual often looks like defeat in the physical. Um, and so I, so we just can't wrap our minds around that sometimes. Um, and we shouldn't try to. Um, because when we try to wrap our minds around it, we, we're, we're coming at it from a sense of self versus wow. spiritually approaching God in his word in prayer and by the power of the Holy Spirit and letting him speak to us. Yeah. Uh, and so <clears throat> I think when it gets into the whole political conversation and how we navigate through that um, I think you both kind of mentioned on it is it's got to start at a personal level, not, not a 32,000 foot level. You know, it, we, we broad stroke everything over here. Um, abortion is bad. You're terrible. Uh, gay marriage is, is terrible. It's, it's bad. This is bad. This is, and, and we say all those things from a sin standpoint um, without ever actually trying or attempting to relate to the sinner. Um, which we see Jesus do over and over, right? The woman at the well, the last thing he mentioned to her was her sin. Not the first thing. Mm -hmm. It was the very last thing he said to her. Uh, and so we come at it from a broad perspective. We, we take what the Bible says is sin, uh, and then we kind of project that onto how we approach people. But I don't know anybody that's ever sat and was willing to have a conversation after I started that conversation. Like, hey, I just want you to know uh, you're a sinner. What you're doing is terrible. What you've done is terrible. And that's sin. It's not God's will for your life. Um, but hey, I love you. Let's uh, let's have a conversation about it. I'd be like, no, dude, I don't want to talk to you. Get out of here. <laughs> um, and, and I don't think that's how we see Jesus approach it uh, either. And so I think it's on a, a personal level level in, in the question that Chris asked, he's asked me and he's mentioned it in conversation so many times, who is my neighbor? Um, it's not just the people that live in the house next to you <laughs> or on your block. It's the people that God puts in your life yeah. and, and brings in your life. You know, Tim, I, I've been reading, um, or studying in Corinthians and, um, one of the things that I was thinking about in this political season when um, Paul was talking to him like 
about their divisiveness, right? And some were like, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul. And he was, and he was like, well, did basically, did he die on the cross for you? Did, did I die on the cross for you? And, and, I, and so like, I was like, well, did Biden die on the cross for me? Did Trump die? No. Wow. All this stuff is foolishness. So they're not saviors. Don't put them in the rightful place. Yes, we should pray for our government officials, but Christ is on the throne. And lead, and when as you're making decisions, align yourself. And like Pastor Matt, like yeah, there's no perfect person, no perfect candidate. And simplify it. If you agree with seven out of these ten points, go for it. You you know, and what have you. But it's not. He's not the savior of my life. And I think sometimes we put the government politics and issues on a platform and almost worship it. You know, and um. And I've done that with smaller things in my life where I realized that, man, I am worshiping this. Like, it's what I think about all the time. Wow. Is that in front of God? No, wow. I should have no other God before me. That, that, wow. Nothing, no other. And so I don't know. That's been on my mind lately. Um, just for, you know, reading through Corinthians, this like, how can I be a better, a better Christian, a better elder in my church, you know, and one of the mm-hmm. things I look at lawyers when they study case studies, right? And so my thing is I'm studying through different places in the Bible where there was leadership moments and how to, all right, we, I can go back to Corinthians when he said this or that. So really going back to the word and going back to what God is and who God is. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Power. Well, you, yeah. Well, you just said really... <laughs> Uh, man, I got to think about that because you, you just said something, you know, am I worshiping it? Because it's, it's on my, it's what I think about all the time, you know, if, and that's a really big challenge. Like, I'm just going to say it. Like, if the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is the, whatever this is, that's probably an idol in your life. Like, if that's the first thing that's in your mind when you wake up, I was like, well, let's go see what they said on the Facebook or let's go see what such and such a politician is up to today or whatever. Oh baby, maybe you've got yeah. yourself an idol right there. Mm. That's it is not trying to be you know legalistic or anything like that. Yeah. But I think if it consumes your thoughts, um, I know for me and believe it or not, I know people who can't see me right now, but probably sixty pounds ago, I was a I love basketball. Basketball was <laughs> up here, and I would sacrifice all kinds of things for that sport, including mm-hmm. not being committed to my local church, mm-hmm. and and God. Wow convicted me hard was like give it to me mm-hmm. and it, and i long story short i got invited to a small group that was on monday night at seven i was like oh snap that's seven to nine is when i play ball that's and i said no for years yeah but god had to work on that and even now yeah. like to a certain point where like i love pastor matt and i love nba and we go back and forth but i know there's this there's this cliff that i gotta be like mm-hmm. okay i gotta Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me back down it. And I know Pastor Matt yep. has taken breaks from sports over <laughs> over over time, too. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. And, you know, it's like <clears throat> on when we talk about the idea of um, the the politics and Jesus and we kind of sometimes I think we take the assumption that we have the right answers or we know what the right thing to do is. We know who the right vote is. We know why, because. I'm a Christian. And so I know who to vote for when, uh, if we just do that kind of blindly, just because of the color 
of the party, red or blue, um, that that assumes quite a level of arrogance that uh, I, I don't think is is really <laughs> healthy for anybody. Because what I think about in meekness lies this humility that demolishes pride, um, mm. and without humility, it's impossible to learn. Um, because the first the right the first step to learning is the realization and the admission of our own ignorance. And if we mm. never realize that and we never admit that there there's, how are we going to grow? But we're not, it kind of right. The, the OG sin, the original sin is I'm taking God's place in my own life. Yep. Um, and mm. then when I do that, it's just what you said, Chris, all these other things begin to take God's place in my life too. Why? Because it's like Tim said, the first thing I, I'm doing when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I'm going to, when I wake up in the morning, I reminded of that, wonderful prophetic movie sister act two in the nineties where Whoopi <laughs> Goldberg tells Lauren Hill. She said, if the first thing you wake up in the morning thinking about is singing, then you're supposed to be a singer girl. Hmm. If the first, <laughs> and I've always like laughed at that, but like, man, what is the first thing I'm thinking about when I wake up in the morning? Um, and what am I doing with it? Uh, am I, am I running to it? Uh, and that's why uh, me, I'm such a big advocate for uh, first thing when you wake up, quiet time with God, because it sets your mind, right. It gets you to, that's what I'm thinking about in the morning. Sometimes mm. it's like, Oh, I don't want to get out of bed to do that. But I'm like, Oh, cool. That's, I'm like training my mind to get there, you know? Yeah. And we're right back where we started that, that training <laughs> yeah, uh, mm -hmm. to build that strength, to build those muscles of self-control and humility. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, Man, this has been a great discussion, guys. I wish we yeah. could keep going, but I know Chris has got to get his kids going for school and stuff like that. You guys are both brave parents doing the online school thing with your kids. Man, amazing. Yes. May the Lord Chris is the man. I, I only do it two days a week um, <laughs> with my kids. I know Chris is, man, yes, you need a Medal of Honor or yeah, something. Seriously. We're, we're, you know, I'll definitely give uh, the glory to God, you know, after probably – first two weeks of in-school suspension, detention. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're actually, the last four weeks we've been good. But, uh, no, principal's it's, it's, office is a little different now. Principal's <laughs> office is a little bit different, but, um, but it's good, man. I'm, you know, it's funny how sometimes you get answered prayer and you don't know it. You know, there's times where I've asked God to redeem the time that I had missed earlier in my life. And it's like, all right, well, cool. Here's a, here's a pandemic and you're going to homeschool your, your eight-year-old. Oh, oh uh, yeah. That's not what I meant. Well, guys, thank you so much. Hey, folks, if you're listening, if you're watching uh, and you want to catch uh, more of Pastor Matt's teaching, I would encourage you to head to familychurchnm.com. Uh, you can click on sermons. It's right there at the top of the menu. Uh, and he's been teaching some of this, this very stuff in recent weeks, and it's been fantastic. Mm. It's been challenging Amen. and humbling. Uh, I would encourage you to take that in. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to the Impact Nations podcast, uh, fix that. Go subscribe right now. Uh, impactnations.com slash podcast. There's a subscribe button for every kind of podcast app you could think of at the top there. So just click the button, and then every week you'll get this stuff uh, sent right to your phone. Um, hey, 
I'm, Do you know it now. I noticed it's I'm wearing this shirt. The lion side of meekness. What's that? <laughs> that was that lion side That's of right, meekness. That's right, exactly. Yeah, Do it. Once in a while. <laughs> Do it right now. I'm wearing this shirt. It says belonging comes before believing. And I was actually thinking of it as Chris was talking mm. about, you know, who is my neighbor? And uh, Matt, as you talked about, you know, don't start with, hey, these are all the reasons that you're a sinner, but rather start with questions and inviting them in and we worship an inviting king and that's what this shirt is all about and we, you can get shirts you can get hoodies you can get i was about to say mouse pads but most i don't think people use mouse pads anymore <laughs> that, that might have dated me you can get a vcr if you want <laughs> that's <right. Exactly. laughs> um, but there's lots of stuff and you know we love this saying here at impact nations because it's so true it's inviting people and we worship an inviting king and when we invite yeah. people mm-hmm. to come in and experience him then we let the Holy Spirit do the work from there and take it from there. Uh, our job is just to invite people to come and belong. Uh, and they they discover that, oh man, I do belong. Uh, I was made to belong with this Jesus. Um, and hey, uh, even his book, if you head to impactnations.com slash shop, you can get books, you can get shirts, all those things. And by the way, when we sell this merchandise, 100% of the profits from that goes directly to our skills and business programs uh, where we're doing just some awesome i say we our partners are doing incredible things my buddy trinity i was on the phone with him last week uh, they just saw 40 students graduate from their skills and business program uh where they're teaching uh business skills and now we're going to be doing small loans to yeah these 40 women in the slums of kampala this week starting right now uh probably about eight hours ago uh they're doing another 20 students uh they're all going to get loans as well uh, so yeah, when you, when you buy stuff at impactnations.com slash shop, those profits actually just get poured right into our programs to, to help us awesome. help other people thrive. And by the way, all through that, of course, Super we're cool. inviting them into, uh, life in Christ where they're, they're discovering that, oh, I do belong. Uh, and you know, society's <laughs> lied to me. Uh, I'm not a reject. Uh, I get to belong yeah. too. So, um, anyway, yeah, that's awesome. commercial over impactnations.com slash shop. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Matt, Chris, thank you guys so much. This was an amazing hour. I just, man, I'm so Thanks blessed. For having us. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you, man. And wonderful. Hopefully we wonderful. can do it again soon.